Here's a little snippet from today's episode. You're not going to want to miss this one. The thing that I, I try and get across the most when I, when I talk about cognitive restructuring and changing your mental habits is that this is not about positive self-talk or trying to make yourself feel good. I mean, there's plenty of evidence that that can be just as bad as Thank you for saying that. Self-talk. Thank you for saying that. 322, for throwing fire. Imagine if every moment of every day was unscheduled, unknown, and uncertain. Where you had to choose between your life and the life of another. Where you were deployed somewhere in the world to face an unknown threat and an unseen enemy. This is the podcast designed to serve those who serve us. So join me as we unpack and uncover why we do what we do when we do it from life's most extreme moments. I'm your host, Jeff Fanman, and this is Mindset Radio. All right, welcome to your Monday morning episode. I am here today with Nick Wagnall, a phenomenal psychologist that I've had an opportunity to connect with uh, based on some of the articles that he's written in the past. And then Nick and I have had some phenomenal conversations. And really what I want you to know is Nick's goal is to kind of teach everything that he knows about how to use psychology to create better habits, achieve our goals, do what we need to do, and you know, he's really focused on kind of taking the best ideas from psychology and behavioral science and then explaining them, well, put it bluntly, in a way we can all actually get it. So, Nick, thank you for coming on the show today. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jeff. And absolutely. I am really excited about today's episode because I think there is, you know, we've talked about this in the past, the majority of the listeners for this podcast, police, firemen, military, guys that are up to things, uh, guys that are operating in high risk or high stress environments, doing things maybe around the world. And, you know, it, the one cool thing is I, what I've watched over the last maybe decade is guys are a lot more open to, they're a lot more open to these kind of conversations, but they're not as pervasive as they probably need to be yet. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, what drew me to you was this article that you wrote, this kind of extensive article that we got up on mindset.com. You've been willing to share it out with our audience. Uh, there was really a beginner's guide to cognitive restructuring and kind of understanding the makeup there and what goes on. And I thought it was just so well written, like it, it made sense and I felt like it could touch everybody. And so that's, that's kind of where I want to dive in today. I want to take a look at that with you, if that's all right. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, man. So, you know, let's start off. What what in the hell is cognitive restructuring? Cognitive restructuring. Yeah, it's a, it's a mouthful of jargon there. Um, Seriously. What, what it really means, it's, it's really pretty simple. It's based on the idea that just like we all have physical habits, so we have little like kind of quirks or ticks or little things we, we tend to do, um, we all have mental habits too. Like we are our minds, specifically the way we talk to ourselves, what what psychologists call our self-talk. Sure. It's like that little inner monologue we have going most of the time, actually. We can we can get into habits with that self-talk too. Which is but when you when you hear it, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But most of us don't really stop to think about that exactly. And it's really important because to a large extent, you know, how we feel on a regular basis is primarily the result of how we think on a regular basis. So these mental cognitive habits that we get into, these these script, kind of default scripts that we say to ourselves on a regular basis, 
especially in really stressful or emotionally taxing times, have a profound impact on the way we feel. So if, if we're struggling in some respect, psychologically or emotionally, what that really means is kind of going in there and looking at, hey, what are, what are my default kind of habits mentally and how are those working for me? Um, and are they causing problems? And if so, can I start to, to look at those and maybe start to modify them, change those habits to get better results emotionally and then in terms of behavior and how I perform? Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I mean, it's, I think, you know, like give me some, I mean, I know the voices in my head, <laughs> you know, I get the, <laughs> you know, the, you don't, you don't need to share those. Yeah, oh, no, oh, no, I don't get That's part of the deal, man. I mean, I've called myself a piece of shit for years. No one can beat me up like I can beat myself up. Uh, right. You know, and I think that's been a cool experience for me, especially over the last, you know, five, six years or so, really beginning to understand what that is, what's going on there. Uh, you know, that constant fear of failure, that constant, even in launching this show, you know, it's been like, okay, nobody likes me, right? Nobody. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I can hear that voice creeping in. And so, uh, I, and we talked about it uh, in a conversation I had at one of the conferences earlier this year. Now, what the, what the kind of voice running in the background says that then interrupts my ability to kind of see what's actually happening, make decisions. There's all kinds of stuff there. What do you find are some of the common, because the reality is we're, we're pretty much all the same, you know, in a lot of ways. What have right. you found that are kind of, kind of some of the common voices? Yeah. So you, you hit on like a really big one, arguably the most common is this really like judgmental, really judgy kind of self-evaluative. I, I call it like inner shit talking. We just named the title of this episode, <laughs> discovering your inner shit talking. I'm going for it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, a lot of us were extremely harsh with ourselves, especially when it comes to um, performance, you know, how we're performing or how we're hoping we're going to perform. Um, and so we get really judgy with ourselves. Like, ah, you, you know, you screwed that up. Why couldn't you have done this better? Like you should have seen that coming. You should, you know, it's this really intense. It, often it's this script that we, we pick up at some point early in life, either because mm -hmm. we have a, a, a parent or a coach or some influential adult um, who, and really where this tends to come from is, it, the intention is good. For a long time, a lot of people thought being really harsh and judgmental was a good motivator. You know, if nothing right. else, it would kind of like scare us into doing the right thing and performing totally. at a high level. And, and the thing with that is there's a whole psychology behind why that's a terrible idea. But <laughs> here's, the, here's the gist of it is that in certain kind of low grade tasks, like stuff you're doing when you're a kid, fear can kind of temporarily work to, to get you to, to perform a little higher. But it becomes a terrible motivator once we start engaging in really high-level, high-intensity performances. And tasks. Right. Fear, fear is just—it's—it's it's fear, shame, self. That stuff just doesn't—it doesn't work as a motivator. But most of us just inherit this mental habit of talking shit to ourselves in order to motivate ourselves because that's maybe it worked at one point. But it really starts, it, it's like an old app on your phone that hasn't gotten yeah. updated, you know, and it's buggy and it's causing your phone to crash. And, it, you know, what you really need to do is update that. You know, you don't want an app from 2008 running on your phone now. It's going to bog the whole system down. Um, so I think that's, that's a great example that watching for when you're, you know, really just sort of talking smack to yourself. And, and maybe your intention is good that it will be motivating, but 
really starting to ask yourself, well, is this really the best way to motivate myself to do better in the future? Um, so that's a, that's a real big one. Yeah. I think you're spot on there. I mean, we just had, uh, Elliot Rowe on, uh, a couple weeks ago. He's a hypnotherapist, good friend of mine. Uh, I've done some work with Elliot to really look at kind of seven and younger pre-trauma phases, what goes on there, what gets created, you know, at that time, uh, I've, done my own look back then and then how that kind of builds over a period of time you know and it is i mean it is it is so interesting to understand how we kind of create that and you know i'm working on an article i'd actually like i was going to send you a note i'd like to collaborate on it you know because i've said for years the only acceptable emotion in kind of any of these worlds is anger like like that seems to be the only Mm acceptable. You can't be sad. You can't be too happy. You can't be this, but you can be pissed off, right? You can be upset. You can be angry. And then when I thought about it, it's like, man, you even go back to the days of pushing yourself in some of these radical schools or whatever else, you know, that you got your guy with you going, get angry at it, get angry at it. Right. And yeah. And so, you know, it is this shame based, you're not good enough yet idea that gets created and then perpetuated and then carried forward. And I think we're finally seeing some shift in that. But then you've got this old school, young school mentality battle going on across, you know, almost every organization out there. It's it's really interesting. So how do we how do we begin to dissect this? You know, in the article, you get, you start to look at some things. How do yeah. we begin to understand this? So I, I like this old school, new school yeah. kind of dichotomy you throw up there. Cause I, I think this is really one of the things that, you know, a lot of people are resistant to this idea of kind of getting introspective, looking at how you talk to yourself, may, maybe taking a, a slightly gentler approach to yourself. A lot of people resist from that because they think, well, that's just yeah. kind of a weak sauce, you know, but, but I think it's, it's sort of a false dichotomy because but the thing that I, I try and get across the most when I when I talk about cognitive restructuring and changing your mental habits is that this is not about positive self-talk or trying to make yourself feel good. I mean, there's plenty of evidence that that can be just as bad as thank you for saying that. Self-talk. Thank you for saying that. The, yeah. So this is not like rah rah rah. I'm so awesome. I'm wonderful. Everything's gonna be fine. That that's. That's a disaster. I'm a tiger. Too. I'm not a tiger. The the, the goal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what you, you want to be shooting for the, there's a third way, which is let's be realistic with the way we talk to ourselves. We, we don't want to be overly negative because that's, it's not accurate. It's not true, but we also don't want to be overly positive and that the best outcomes, both in terms of emotion and how we feel, but then performance tend to come when our self-talk lines up with Mm. reality. Whether that, whether that's a little negative or a little positive, this idea that we need to be super positive or we need to be super negative in, in order to get things done, what you really find is the best results come when we've trained our mental habits and self-talk to be an accurate description of what's actually going on rather than a story that's exaggerated either positively or Yeah, negatively. I think that is, you know, I've had that conversation several times, like getting down to what happened, not what what's your version of what happened and what all the additives are and all the extra mixtures, but like what happened? I mean, related back to the family, I even, you know, I, for years when my girls would ask me, you know, what happened between you and mom, right? Why'd you get divorced or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like they'd Mm -hmm. want the story of it. And I simply say, Hey guys, you know, here's the deal. This is just simply what happened. Your mom and I fell in love. 
we got married, we had you guys, it didn't work, and we chose to get divorced. Like, that's it. Those are the facts and evidence, right? right. Any, any story around that just kind of perpetuates other things that I think do a disservice in some ways. So, yeah, I like this idea of just really getting kind of to the, to the evidence-based look at things. Yeah. And that's a great, just how that was probably oh, difficult yeah. <laughs> for you, I imagine, because you don't want to, you don't want to like scare your girls with being too right. realistic. You know, the temptation on that side is to kind of sugarcoat things a little bit and be kind of vague. And just like on the other side of things, you know, if you're, I, I'm thinking about, I had a client who was a, a firefighter and he, one of the things he really struggled with is after a really big, um, you know, fire accident or something, some kind of really stressful thing. He, what we kind of dug down to and realized was that he really worried that if he wasn't hard enough on himself with the way he talked to himself, that he was yeah. going to lose his edge, that, that he wasn't going to perform well. And so what he did was he, he perpetuated this overly negative, um, self shit talking because he thought, he thought that that was the only way he could keep his edge and perform at the highest level. And so what we had to do was slowly bit by bit test out little experiments where he tried to be a little bit more, not positive, but not overly negative, just to be realistic mm -hmm. about what happened and what he, what he learned through real experience, not just me right. telling him this is a good idea, but through his own experience was, Hey, you know what? Like not only does my performance not decrease when I stop talking so much smack to myself, it, it actually increases because my, my overall kind of emotion um, burden is lower and I can, I can focus better and perform better because I don't have that added layer of negativity that comes from all this, this negative self-talk. Man, that is, we almost just need to say that again, <laughs> you know, because that is, uh, that is a living, <laughs> breathing thing. I mean, I'm 45, so I grew up in the fire service in the early 90s, trained and developed by guys that, you know, were 60s and 70s, 80s, you know, old school firemen. Uh, and... I, I think that is uh, my guess is 90% of the people listening to this podcast that connects with like that resonates with either mm. either they're up against it and don't want to be that way or they're rooted in that way and like trying to find how to escape it. You know, I mean, I think that that's yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to pause for a minute, like and let that one sink in because that's. That's a pretty real deal statement right there. Yeah, you know, and it's it's really important, too, because I, what's what's kind of baked into that idea is we're not we're not doing this overly negative self-talk because we're right. dumb or we're stupid or, or, you know, like we're trying to be masochistic. We're doing it, actually, because at some point, maybe it worked or someone mm -hmm. made us think it would work. And even on some level right now, we think it's we're going to work like we on some level, we think it's an effective strategy. Um, so it's I, I think that's important to kind of validate for people is that, like, you're not an idiot if you've got a lot of negative stuff like we oh, all. Oh, yeah. Step, step inside my really, brain for a day. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah. Right. And especially, I think, if you're the kind of person who works in really high stakes situations, if you're, you know, a cop, military, firefighter, all that kind of stuff, like. You need to be like people's lives literally are at stake based on your performance, you know. And so it's it's not it's not an easy thing when I have, you know, when I have clients in my office who, you know, who are going through some serious stuff and, and really the pressure is on the line. 
it, it's a it's a tough sell for me to tell you, hey, this strategy that you've been using your whole life to do amazing things. I'm I'm not so sure it's the best one. That's a kind Let's way of putting else. it, right? Me, Mister like psychologist, sitting in his like yeah. leather chair, you know. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a hard it's a hard ask, and I, I like to be really um, you know appreciative and grateful that that people are willing to kind of come along with me and experiment a little. Yeah. So how do you let let's just say you know I show up in your office or somebody shows up in your office and it's like okay you know almost that that scenario it's like I beat the crap out of myself in my job, you know, I take a incident I ran or, you know, something at home or whatever. And it's just, I'm perpetuating it, right? It's just like, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. You know, I'm such an idiot. I'm such a failure. Why can't I provide for my family? Why can't I, you know, take care of the guys at the firehouse? Why can't I perform like that guy? Like it's, it's just running. So, you know, what are some of these things these guys can even you know, take a look at what are some of the simple things that they can begin to, to kind of unpack this. Like you said, this isn't like a radical change. And, you know, my favorite line out of what it, uh, uh, unfuck, <clears throat> excuse me, unfuck yourself is, you know, stop, stop telling yourself you're a tiger. You're not a tiger, you know? Uh, so instead of going to this, this kind of frou-frou land of, you know what we all kind of see is kind of hippy dippy and this and that like this whole yeah i'm not getting into that like what are the practical yeah. tips what are they what can these guys what can they take on yeah so there, there's basically there, there's a series of pretty simple steps that you can sort of work through and and it's this isn't like a life hack it's right. something you just pull out of your pocket but the way to really think about this is it's it's a it's a new habit so just like you know if you wanted to run a marathon someone could tell you, well, you know, you just got to like put your shoes on and then, you know, start running down the road. Like <laughs> what's, right. so, what's so hard about that? Well, it, it, it may be relatively straightforward, but it, it's something that has to be cultivated with practice. And so th- I think that's an important preface to what I'm going to say here is that in some ways this may seem relatively simple, um, but it's the power comes from turning it into a mental habit. So with, with that in mind, the, the first step is always pause. You got to hit the pause button. And what I mean by that is anytime you notice strong negative emotion, whether it's anger or fear or shame, whatever it is, instead of that being a cue to, you know, react instinctively to go grab a beer or to start, you know, criticizing someone else or any of these other kind of default reactions we have, you really want to try and use your own negative emotion as a cue to pause instead. And to ask yourself a, a simple question, which is, okay, what happened here? Just to, and, and to get into that kind of evidence mindset, like you're just Sherlock Holmes, right. you're just looking at the facts. Like what, what just happened here? I'm super upset. Before I do anything, I just want to look at what's going on. So that's step one is just pause, right? Step two is you want to look for the, the trigger. Like what, what just happened here? If you got super upset, there's a good chance that something happened in your environment, you know, so maybe it was a comment, you know, what are your buddies, like an offhanded comment someone said, or maybe it was a, um, you know, maybe you overheard people talking about, you know, a, a call you were just on and it, it, all these like thoughts of, you know, you start um, feeling guilty because you were on that call or whatever it is. So what's the trigger? There's usually some sort of trigger. Um, and the questions you ask yourself for this are who, what, when, and where, so it's amazing how much you can 
demystify a complex emotional experience by just running through the facts of describing who was I around recently? What was happening? When was it? If you're doing this a little bit later and where was I? So that, that those two steps really kind of set the scene. The, the third step is then this one can be really hard because it, it's about thoughts. It's about paying attention to your thoughts. Okay. And the question you want to ask is what thoughts were running through my mind immediately after the trigger? Now, this is tricky because thoughts are thoughts can be habits. And by definition, when something's a habit, it's it's on automatic. Yeah, it's it's autopilot. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean we can't does. And but auto, the thing with autopilot is it doesn't mean you're unaware of it or that it's like unconscious or yeah. deep or mysterious or something. It just means you, you have to apply attention if you want to notice it. OK, so pause. What happened here? Trigger. What started this whole thing? What, what changed in my environment? And then tune into your own inner self-talk. What were the thoughts running through my mind? And, and crucially here, you want to be, again, re be really objective. Just note the facts. You know, pretend you're just a detective um, and you're, you're dictating what the thoughts were that were running through your mind. So it was, shit, like I shouldn't have taken the day off yesterday. I could have been there right. to help my guys, right? Well, okay, that, there's an interesting thought. I shouldn't have taken the day off. You know, so just pull that out. The next step, Matt, go. Is okay. Absolutely. I'm run through. There's two, go. three more steps real quick. The next step is emotions. What emotions am I feeling right now? So after you've identified those thoughts, look for any kind of emotion you're experiencing, but especially the big one. What, usually there's a primary emotion. So, you know, it's often fear or anxiety, grief, anger, shame, something like that. And then real, real briefly and crudely, usually I tell people scale from one to ten. How intense is it right now? How intensely am I feeling that guilt right now? Say it's an eight, right? You note that. Um, step five is called alternative thoughts. And this is where you go back and you, you essentially, you rewrite the story. So you had some automatic thoughts, which were narrating what happened to you. But now you've kind of stepped back and like, like a good detective, you've sort of listed all the facts. And you're going to say, Okay, what are some alternative, more realistic ways of interpreting what happened here? So instead of judging myself for, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a bad, I'm a bad buddy or bad team member because I took the day off. You can reframe that as, you know, I really wished I could have been there, but I had no idea ahead of time that that would have happened. And taking time off, um, you know, for self-care to help my spouse who was sick or whatever that's a good thing. So I'm disappointed that I wasn't there, but it doesn't necessarily. Yeah. Mean and I it's, a, it's wrong, okay to be, right? it's so okay to be a, disappointed, sort of a, right? It's okay to have that disappointment, right? That's the key. That's the key. You got to mm -hmm. validate that it's okay, but still change, you know, change the narrative to be more, and this is key, right. more realistic. That that's actually a more realistic way of, of telling that story. And then the last step, which is simple and easy to forget, but really, really important is, after you've come up with two, maybe three alternative ways of looking at what happened, you re-rate the intensity of your emotion now. You, so you say, okay, so I, I've sort of acknowledged that I'm disappointed, but I've reframed the story to, to more accurately suggest and reflect that I didn't technically do anything wrong on purpose. And so guilt is maybe not a super appropriate emotion. Now re-rate that guilt and see how intense is it. 
Now, chances are it's not going to go away entirely. You're sure. going to feel it to some extent. But there's a there's a real big difference between feeling nine out of ten guilty and feeling big six difference. out of ten. That 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 could be the difference, and frankly, it can be the big difference between a really bad decision of what you end up doing next and a and a better, more constructive See, decision now that's, of what you do that, next. I, I um, want to I'm going to interject here because now we're now we're really yeah, let's do it we're starting to see the compounding effect of some of these things. Right. And that's what, that's why this podcast exists. That's why all this exists is because these aren't just isolated things. It's not like you did that, said that about yourself, beat yourself up, and then everything's clean. See, now you're, now you're making decisions from that context that, you know, you were wrong, you're shameful, whatever, right? Whatever you created that, that, and you're making that decision based off that nine to 10 rating, you know, not your, not your five or six rating. And that then starts to snowball if I'm, if I'm jumping in correctly. No, and this, this makes me think of that, the firefighter client I had who I worked with, this was a real situation. This overhearing his buddies talk about a, a, a job that where he wasn't there because he took time off. And what he was finding, he did this repeatedly. And what would happen is when he felt this overwhelming sense of guilt, in part because of sort of incorrect self-talk about what actually was going on, he tended mm. to isolate. He was ashamed. So he wouldn't hang out with his buddies and, and afterwards. And, and then, and that really started to create problems like among the team. But what, what we were able to do is by changing the self-talk, and kind of turning down the volume on that guilt because he sort of realized, you know, guilt, disappointment was a really valid emotion there. But guilt, when you really think about it, wasn't really appropriate. When that guilt came down, it allowed him to connect with his buddies um, and express, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry that I wasn't able to be there for you guys. And that, that turned into a moment of profound kind of it like really took their relationship to the next level. It, whereas he had been just avoiding these guys because he felt so... He had this extra level of guilt on top of his sadness. So Matt, this stuff it, really makes a difference. It is a I game think. changer. Uh, like it is a, it, it is a perpetuating environment that we get ourselves locked into. I mean, my wife and I'll sit and look at each other and be like, "How do? Why were we designed this way?" <laughs> you know, uh, because you're right. I mean, then that goes <laughs> down to then there's a disconnect. Then you know, and when you're dealing with a high performing team, you're dealing with a team that operates in a risk environment. The, it starts to break down trust. It starts to, you know, cause resentments across the team. I mean, there's a whole slew of things that then all creep in. Exactly. And before you know it, you know, you're running a freaking house fire with, you know, balls to wall or chasing a guy down the street who's got a gun or deploying or whatever your scenario is. And you're not unified and aligned when all you had to really do was get yourself out of your own way, reassess a little bit come back to where we are now and then communicate out and be like, Hey guys, you know, I feel like a piece of shit that I wasn't here and I'm really sorry that I wasn't here, but I really had to take care of my wife. And, you know, I'm disappointed that I couldn't be here with you guys. And I'm sorry I let you down or whatever that might even be, whatever might need to be there, but at least you're engaging it. Totally. I I love that idea of getting out of your own way. You know, I think a lot of us are, we find ourselves in difficult situations like this and we, it's frustrating because we, after the fact, we, we kind of know what we should have done or we're disappointed yeah. in how we ended up behaving. And the problem isn't that we don't want to do the right thing or the most helpful thing, right? It's that the, these mental habits 
produce this excess emotion. And what emotion is designed to do, evolutionarily speaking, is push us reactively right. in certain directions. You know, when a tiger jumps out in front of you, you don't want to sit through and like make a pros cons list of whether you should run away or not. Yeah. Like you just want to survive. So your emotion just pushes you out there. And that's, that can be useful at times, but at times we would be much more able to make the, the helpful, um, most useful decision and behavior if we just got rid of some of that excess negative self-talk and all the emotion it produces. Uh, people really find that it, it's actually a lot easier to just to do the right thing or to do the most helpful thing when we get out of our own way in terms yes, of those mental habits. 100%. Man, I got to tell you, we're, we just hit 28 minutes on the show. I, I, I am, I'm stoked because this is really like, this to me is the, the essence of this podcast, right? The discovery of why we do what we do when we do it. And so I'm going to make a request that you stick around and we go to a deep dive segment that'll air on Wednesday. Uh, because I think there's a lot more to discuss here uh, and get into it. So if you're willing to stick around, that'd be awesome. Uh, for all the listeners out there, just to understand, Nick is contributing into the Op Mindset platform. You can read through these two articles on cognitive restructuring on the platform there. If you just go to opmindset.com, you can search Nick Wagnall uh, or you'll see him uh, front and center right up in there. So do me a favor. Come back to us on Wednesday because Nick and I are about to keep on trucking. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you so much for listening. That wraps up episode seven. And I wanted to take a quick minute and just kind of connect with you and check in. And most importantly, just simply say thank you. In the launch since a week and a half ago now, seven episodes out, the response has been incredible. The number of downloads are far greater than I expected. Uh, those of you that are sharing the podcast, thank you so much. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I mean, that's what it boils down to. I'm just really stoked. I'm enjoying this. We've got some phenomenal episodes coming up. Today was so good with Nick. I think Wednesdays was really unreal. So please come back and do that. So listen, at this point, I really just have one simple request for you. If you're enjoying the show, even if you're not enjoying the show, but you're listening, can you please make sure that you're subscribed on whatever platform you are, especially if you're on iTunes or Apple podcast, subscribed, download the episodes and take a minute and do me a favor. Please rate and review us. It is so important in how this podcast gets out, the number of people we can reach, and that would mean, mean, just mean the world to me, and I would really greatly appreciate it if you would take a minute and do that. So that's my only request for you. Uh, I'm going to throw up a survey later. Tune in at the end of Wednesday's episode. I've got a special thought for you that I want to share with you, so please don't drop off early. Stay all the way to the end. Uh, I really appreciate it. This is this has been a blast and I'm really looking forward to talking to you on Wednesday. So have a great week.